are excited this week uh, to be in our second week in our sermon series, Rhythms. We kicked this, this series off last week um, discussing how we allow the rhythms of our lives to be an attitude of worship to God. And we spent some time last week uh, talking about our worship to God through our work. We don't often think of, of work as worship, um, but we talked about the fact that God desires that our work and the things that we put our hands and our attention and our time and energy towards would be an act of worship. And for us, we need to understand that any gifts, talents, abilities that you have are not yours. God entrusted those to you. God gave you the ability to gain wealth. He gave you the ability to uh, do the things that you do as a blessing to other people. And last week, as we talked about worshiping God through our work, we, we talked about seeing work as a gift. You know, too often we get into work and we're like, oh man, it's so hard, you know, it just takes so much out of me. But, but, but work is a gift from God, and we should see it that way. We talked about understanding that God has gifted each of us uniquely. We should use those gifts for his glory. And then finally, we talked about working as unto Christ, or the, 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 the Pastor Dan, you know, interpretation is, Work as if God is your boss, right? We, we, you know, if, if God was to bring out the annual evaluation of how, you, how you're doing, it, we'd want those to be fives, right? But we like routine, and we like familiar. We like rhythm in our lives. Um, I won't be sharing any, any more of my hygiene uh, tips because all I heard this last week was four swipes, four swipes on each side. That was all I heard. Apparently, that's all anybody heard. So... I will save you from my, my morning routines as we move forward. But we like routine. We like to have that rhythm in life that keeps us kind of safe and it feels right. But we've, we've been in a season that's not been routine. And so today I want to discuss another aspect of, of rhythm. And that's the rhythm of worshiping God through rest. Talked about work, but equally important is finding time to rest, finding time to be refreshed. I think we can all agree that rest is valuable. You know, how many of you are, are more, you know, more into sleeping than doing? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't have to, you don't have to raise your hands. You, I know you're all secretly like, you know. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we can all agree that, that rest is valuable. It's, it's important. It's something that we should engage in life. But, you know, some of us are probably more prone to tend to want to work, to invest ourselves in the things that, are, that feel purposeful, that, 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 that make us feel at the end of the day that we accomplish something. And so we, we tend to invest ourselves in the attitude and the atmosphere of work. Maybe, you're, maybe you're, you could be guilty of, of, of being called a workaholic. You invest so much of yourself into what you do with your hands and your head. And your, that maybe you're, you're, you're trudging up on that line of, of not having good balance. Maybe some of you are on the other end of the spectrum, and you're just, you're just restaholics, and you'd prefer to not get out of bed. A little tip for you. Gretchen and I bought some flannel sheets uh, a, few weeks, a few months ago, and uh, they're amazing. And I'm here to tell you, if you're cold in the morning, flannel sheets will fix that for you. 
But, you know, maybe you find yourself in that, that morning routine where the bed's a little warmer, the air's a little colder, and it just feels better to stay in bed. You know, maybe you're, maybe you're a restaholic. Maybe you look, need to look in the mirror and say, I have a problem. But we need to understand that rest is important. You know, there was a time in my life um, that I didn't see the value of rest, that I struggled to understand that, that taking time to, to rest after work and after all the things I was doing was, was kind of an important thing. I was about 18, and um, I had a job over the summer um, and a girlfriend. So, you know, two things that were sucking the life out of me, but <clears throat> that didn't come out right. <laughs> but I would, I would work hard day in and day out, and then I would go and I would spend time with my girlfriend. And I was working in landscaping, so our days started at like, you know, 5 a.m. We were, we were going over to our boss's house and getting ready, and then we'd go, and we'd work, and we'd work, and we'd work, and we'd work hard. I mean, trenching under pathways, you know, you know hand-trenching irrigation lines. I mean, it was not fun work. But it was work. And I was young, and I was trying to make some money. But I would work these long days, and I'd get done at like 6 o'clock at night. And then, of course, every waking moment that I had away from work, I wanted to spend with my girlfriend. And so I was spending a lot of time, and she lived up north about an hour away, and so I was driving, and I was working, and I was driving, and I was working, and resting a little bit. And I remember one day, it was, it was a, a clear day, and I'd gone to work, and I had, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and I had to go get some supplies from an irrigation supply company. It's still up there on Center Street, um, some pipe and supply company. So I was, I was driving my mom's tricked-out 1989 Dodge Grand Caravan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. So I'm zipping down I-5. I'm, I'm heading south on I-5, and all of a sudden... I remember my eyes open and I'm spinning in a circle like this. And it was one of those moments where you find yourself kind of realizing you no longer have control. And I had fallen asleep at the wheel and had woken up to the miniman spinning. And I came to a stop and I was literally looking at southbound traffic coming at me, which was a little bit of a disconcerting feeling. Thankfully, the people who were behind me had seen what was going on, had slowed up, and had, had stopped. I nervously kind of pulled the, 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 the van off to the side of the road, but I found myself in this place of, of realizing I was out of, out of control, and that because I had not placed a, a value on rest, I had put myself in harm's way, and other people for that matter. And it was a stark reminder of the value and the importance of rest and balance in our life. You know, as we talk today about the rhythm of rest, talking about the routines of life, it's important that we focus on what the Bible has to say about rest, and it has a lot to say. You know, our text today is found in Mark chapter 2. If you um, have your Bibles, please feel, to f- feel free to flip there. Um, but Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 23, says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. 
The Pharisee said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us an understanding of what it means to rest, what it means to worship you with the time that we decide to stop, focus our attention and our energy on you. Pray that you'd open our hearts and open our minds to what you would want to say to us today. Father, we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this, this passage in Mark's Gospels is kind of an interesting one because it reveals a collision between two differing philosophies. There's this collision between a man-made philosophy of God's commandment to keep the Sabbath holy and God's intended purpose for Sabbath rest. Yes, in the Ten Commandments, God said, keep the Sabbath holy. What we find to be true here, though, is there was differing understandings of what that actually meant. You know, the Pharisees were more concerned. These were the, you know, the scholars of the day. They knew the law, they understood, and they followed it to a T. The Pharisees concerned, were concerned about Jesus and his disciples. They're traveling and they're gleaning on the Sabbath. And their view is that that was a deliberate neglect of the commandment to keep the Sabbath holy. So Jesus and his disciples were in the wrong. The religious elite took exception with what they were doing on the Sabbath. Jesus, on the other hand, contends that the purpose of Sabbath was to give time for rest, refreshing. And as we look at Jesus' interpretation of the Sabbath, we have to consider a few things as we strive to engage a similar rhythm of rest as our attitude of worship. The first thing is this. Rest is God's idea. Rest is God's idea. He came up with it. He birthed it. Just like last week when we were looking at work, and that work was a gift from God, he, he, he brought work as a, as a purpose for our lives, we can see again in Scripture that rest is mentioned multiple times in the Bible. Genesis Chapter 2, right at the very beginning, right after he's given Adam dominion over the garden, and he said, I want you to work the garden. I want you to take authority over the plants and the beasts. God begins to talk about rest. Genesis Genesis chapter 2, verse 2 says, By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So God gets done with creation, and on the seventh day he rests. 
You guys really think that God was tired? You think he got done? He's like, you know, the wind and you know, the waves and the heavens and the earth and the beasts of the field and the beasts of the air and the beasts of the ocean. Man, I'm exhausted. Like, this is ridiculous. You guys don't know what it takes to do this level of creation. I need a nap. Everybody chill. You think that was what God was doing? No. God didn't need to rest. God's the all-powerful one. He's the almighty one. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. He doesn't need to rest. And yet he understood the importance of setting the example for a rhythm of rest. God rested to show us the importance of it. And we need to understand that when it comes to rest, rest and work go hand in hand. Shouldn't be like this, you know, like, oh, I can't do, you know, I gotta do one or the other, I gotta. But, but too often, we put way too heavy of a value on work. We place way too heavy of an emphasis on productivity and efficiency and the things that we get done and making sure we, we're checking tons of check, check marks off on the task list and everything's getting done and I can look, and look back and say, look at all the things I've accomplished. Look at all that I've created. Look at our physical bodies. We need to work out and then we need to rest. Do you know what happens if you go to the gym because you want to get all jacked? I don't know. I told my kids, my boys specifically, because um, they tend to think that I don't have an you know, athletic bone in my body. I told them I was going to go on a 30-day challenge, and I was going to get jacked. You know, I was going to lose weight, and the physique was going to come back, and everybody's going to be impressed. I haven't started the 30-day challenge yet, <laughs> but I'm going to. But maybe you're one of those people who likes to go to the, the gym. You go to you work out, you're throwing the steel around, you feel good about yourself, kind of, you know, do that in the mirror, and, and you feel great. But do you know that if you work out for long enough without resting, you'll actually hurt yourself? Strength, conditioning, all these things over time will actually start to have a detrimental effect if you don't rest. You know, our life rhythm is the same. Work and labor, but then rest and recoup, refresh. We've got to have a balance. Because if we don't, we'll find ourselves out of control. You know, the Sabbath is something that's mentioned a lot in Scripture. And too often, I think we, we fail to understand what God desired in keeping the Sabbath holy. In order to understand the Sabbath, you really need to define what Sabbath means. Because too often, we think of Sabbath as a day, a day of the week. Keep the Sabbath holy. Keep Sundays holy. Or if you're in another denomination, keep Saturdays holy. And we fail to understand what Sabbath is really all about. You know, the definition of Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. And it actually means to cease, to end, to rest. 
So when we pull back from that, it's less about a day and more about a posture. It's less about, well, I can't do anything on this day because that's the Sabbath. I've got to keep it holy. And it's more about our activity and our intention being sacred and holy. How many times in your day, your week, your month, your year, do you cease? Do you rest? Do you take time intentionally to stop? If there's ever been a time where we need to take a rest for some, from some things, it's right now. I think all of us can agree that we've been going through a crazy season where there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of stuff going on. And we find ourselves in this place where sometimes we don't know which end is up. I don't know about you, but I can tell you right now, some of you need to rest from social media. Some of you need to rest from watching the news. Some of you need to rest from political conversations. Because I don't care who you think or should or want or desire to have in the White House or in any other office in the country. One thing I know for sure, regardless of who's elected or not elected, whatever's going on, God is still in control. His plan and purposes are still going to be accomplished. And nothing's going to stop them. And maybe you need to rest and turn your phone off. I'm just saying. Because some of the nonsense that I've seen on social media lately is sickening. And if we truly call ourselves Jesus followers and followers of Christ, shame on us. Because if you take truth or your version of truth, and you begin to cease fellowship with people. This, this nonsense about if you think this and you think that, then I'm going to unfollow you. And, and I made my point, gosh darn it. Are you kidding me right now? Did we ever see Jesus outside of the religious elite separate fellowship with people? He loved people. Maybe you need to take a rest from some of these things so that you can tune into what God is desiring to say to your heart. Hear my heart, church. I want us to see opportunities that we can love and bless people. Not that we can use our rhetoric or you know, some catchy phrase you know, to demean somebody or put somebody down because they have a differing view. We got to do better. Jesus gives us the example of rest numerous times in Scripture. Scripture mentions Jesus resting at least seven times in the New Testament, numerous more where he got away or went away to pray. So he spent a fair amount of time working and doing miracles and doing all these things, and then he knew he needed to rest. Was it because he was tired? Yeah, he was fully God, fully man, so he was tired but he also understood the value of being in tune with Father God. If Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, saw value in rest, don't you think we should? Don't you think maybe we should see rest as something that's important? 
So rest is God's idea. We've also got to understand that to do or not to do, that is not the question. Yeah. Think about that one for a little while. I just went all Shakespeare on you. <laughs> to do or not to do, that is not the question. We get so wrapped up in busyness. You ever seen this? It's like we wear it like a badge of courage. Hey, how you doing? Oh my gosh, I'm so busy. Oh, I can't even tell you I've got this meeting and then I got to do this thing and then I got to go over here and have this lunch meeting and then these people want to come and talk to me because I'm really, really smart. And after that, I've got to you know, do something for my kids and I got to run them over here and then I got to do this other thing. And at some point I might eat, I don't know, but I'm sure not going to sleep. And we just think that being busy is something that is so great. Honestly, what's the first thing that people say when you say, how are you doing? So busy. Oh, my gosh. We seem to place so much value in what we do. We're less concerned about who we are. I want to say that again. We seem to place so much value on what we do that we forget about the importance of who we are. And we get so wrapped up in what we're missing out on. Oh, good old FOMO. The fear of missing out. Such a wonderful little acronym that I, you know, didn't know actually what it meant for years until my kids told me, but I know now. Do you know FOMO is actually in the dictionary now? The acronym FOMO. It's defined as anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. God forbid that something be going on in our lives outside of us. No! Do you suffer from FOMO? Do you constantly have to post selfies? I don't know what the angle is where it's supposed to be, but I think it's somewhere up there. Nobody wants to see my selfies, let's put it that way. Do you constantly feel like you're missing out on something in life if you're not tuned into everything? Because this is where we get to. We get to this place where we're so wrapped up on what's going on in social media. And I posted this, and did people like it? And how many hearts did I get? And how many thumbs ups did I get? And how many people shared it? And we start to lose sight on what's important. We lose sight of the people who are right in front of us who are hurting. In the church, we also seem to like to take a legalistic view of what we should do and not do on the Sabbath. We've been just as guilty in the church. It's Sunday. You can't do this, and you should do that. And church, and then the buffet. That's it. No mowing the lawn on Sunday, and don't even look at, you know, that rake. And we lose sight of what it means to keep the Sabbath holy. 
Because we're more worried about what we're doing or not doing. Interestingly enough, the Pharisees got this so wrong so many times. The scholars of the day did not understand what was going on. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse verse 1, says this. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger. This is Jesus we're talking about and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand, began, his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out, began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Interesting. Jesus was more worried about the man, what the man needed. Pharisees were more worried about the rules which you should and shouldn't be doing on the Sabbath. They completely got it wrong. It's interesting in this passage, do you see that the Pharisees don't even dispute Jesus' power? It says it right there. They watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. They didn't even dispute that part. Their focus was whether or not Jesus would disregard the law. Their attention was on the commandment, not God's purpose for rest or healing or blessing. You know, as we talk about this idea of doing and not doing, we've got to understand that God is trying to show us rest is actually a freeing gift. It takes the focus from what we do to who he is and who we are in him. I'm going to say that again. God is trying to show us that rest is actually a freeing gift. It takes the focus from what we do to who he is and who we are in him. Because we get way too wrapped up in what we're doing or what other people are doing for that matter. Do you merely know of God? God's great. He gives us chocolate cake. God is great. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He loves me. Do you just know of God? You've read in Scripture. He's, He's great. He's done great things. Or have you allowed yourself the time, the moments, to truly be known by God? to truly allow him to know you and you know him. Because it takes time, intentional time. So we've got to understand that rest is God's idea. It's not about doing or not doing. That's not the point. Rest is not the absence of activity. Rest enables the presence of God. I want to say that again. Rest is not the absence of activity. 
Rest enables the presence of God, invites the presence of God into our lives. Church, we need to understand work and rest are equally valued in God's economy. It's not like a either or, like you could do this or you can do that. It's it, you know, it's a both and. It's 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 something that God sees value in. The problem is most of us have a tendency to overvalue work because it's the things that we can touch and feel and check off and impress somebody with. Did you see this? I did this. It's amazing. You know, and we want to get our little whiteboard out and kind of like let everybody know how much we, we know and how great we are and, and what we've accomplished and what we have amassed. And God's not impressed with just that. The truth is rest and leisure can and should be a, most, a mode of worship. The rest that we bring to God should be something that brings worship to him. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 says, This is to be a lasting ordinance for you. On the tenth day of the seventh month, you must deny yourselves and not do any work, whether native-born or a foreigner residing among you. Because on this day, atonement will be made for you to cleanse you. Then before the Lord, you will be clean from all your sins. It is a Sabbath, a day of Sabbath rest, and you must deny yourselves it is a lasting ordinance. You know that rest gives us the ability to reflect, gives us the ability to stop long enough to think about our lives. Have you ever been working so hard and doing so many things and going so many different directions that you miss opportunities to touch people and to bless lives? There's hurting people coming at every angle. It's just whether or not we're going to notice. I was in an Xfinity store uh, this past week. So Gretchen and I have uh, gone a number of years just using our Apple TV, and we use little apps, and we watch TV on that. But we got to a place where we're like, we need a cable box, crying out loud, because we want to watch stuff live. Truth be told, it was election day, <laughs> and we wanted to watch the news. And so... I called up Xfinity. I said, hey, we need to get a cable box. Go down to the Xfinity store. So I'm up in you know, Lancaster Mall sitting in the Xfinity store. And I'm sitting there and minding my own business. And, and it's busy. There's a ton of people in there. And everybody's running around. And they're putting people outside because there's too many people in the store, yada, yada, yada. I'm sitting there. And about from me to Gretchen, there's a little, a little gal um, sitting across from me. She's got her mask on. And she's probably about 20 years old. She's sitting there. And I'm kind of... You know, watching her as, as we're sitting and waiting. And every once in a while, she kind of look up at the TV and kind of shake her head and kind of go, okay. And I can see her getting visibly impatient with the whole process. And at one point, she says, ah, I, just, I need to get this thing and go. And I canceled my internet, and now I, don't, I want it back. I want to be able to watch everything tonight. And I said, oh, yeah, you know. I said, yeah, it's, it, they're busy, obviously. You know, I'm just trying to be cordial. And she says, I'm just worried. I'm just really scared. I just, you know, I, this is going to be crazy. I'm just really scared. I said, no, we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. No, no, no. This is, this is bad. The stuff that's going on, this is bad. This is going to be really bad. I said, no, I think we're going to be okay. I said, just don't go up to downtown Portland. You know. Really? You think so? I said, yeah, we're going to be okay. Because you don't think there's going to be 
riots and crazy stuff going on in Salem? I said, no, no. I said, there might be some little dust-ups here and there. We'll, we'll be all right. I just don't know. My friends went to Idaho. I should have gone with them. And, you know, da 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 And I'm kind of trying to figure out where she's at. You know, where she, she red, she blue. She, you know, where, yeah. I'm not going to ask, you know. So all of a sudden she said, well, you know, I, I went and I, you know, I, I, I got some ammo. Oh, okay, she's a trumper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got my gun. I said, well, you'll be fine then, <laughs> you know. And she just keeps, you know, I'm just really worried. I'm really scared. I mean, she was terrified. And I just said, listen, I've been around for a little longer than you. And I said, I'm just going to tell you, we're going to be okay. Well, how do you know? And I said, I'm just telling you. I said, my faith is not in our president or the government or our state or anybody who is controlling anything. I said, my faith is in somebody who's greater than all of that. And I pointed up and, you know, wasn't like going to do the Romans road with her right there. But I just said, I, we're going to be okay. I said, I promise you, we're going to be all right. Well, you know, I just, you know, and she kind of kept going. You know, and the guy comes and Dan, you know, we're ready. And I said, why don't you take Michelle? Why don't you take Michelle back? She's, she's been waiting for a while. So she went back and then, you know, my guy came and got me and I could see her watching me through the plexiglass of our little workstation. And it was one of those moments where God engaged a really kind of bizarre interaction of somebody who was just legitimately terrified. And if I was able to do nothing else, I was able to profess hope and give a little bit of peace and just say, we're going to be okay. And maybe plant a seed. And too often we get so busy with the rhythm of our work and what's got to get done. I got to get this cable box and I got to get home and then I got to get it hooked up. And if I don't, Gretchen's going to be screaming at me because she wants to watch the news. She doesn't scream at me. She's sweet and loving and amazing. And she thinks I'm amazing. Most of the time. Rest gives us time to reflect, sometimes correct the day of atonement. Sometimes there's stuff in our lives that's crept its way in that we don't even realize is there because we've not stopped long enough to notice. And rest gives us that time to take stock and say, God, is there something in me that shouldn't be there? Is there something in me that I need to confess to you, that I need to give up to you? You know, people don't launch a business or a new product or a new strategy and then just forget about it. Like, hey, I've got this new invention. They're called glasses. Put them on and try them. And then you just forget about your product. No, they evaluate it and they, they follow up and they look at it. And do we need to make tweaks? Do we need to make design? Is there a design flaw? And we need to be in that place of rest and evaluation and reflection. Rest gives the space and ability to focus our head and our hearts to God. It doesn't mean you can't worship God with your work. We talked about that. But rest gives us that intentionality. The value of retreat can't be understated. Retreat is something that's been lost. That idea of getting away. Don't underestimate the importance of getting away. 
whether it's for 30 minutes to go on a hike or an hour to have a coffee by yourself or getting away with your spouse or getting away by yourself. Jesus constantly engaged retreat and went away to a quiet place to rest and to pray, to get in tune with God. But we have to be intentional. We have to set aside time, especially if you're a people person. I'm a people people person. Yeah, I'm one of those. And it's hard for me to get away. It's hard for me to want to be alone. If you're a people people, take time to get alone. Take time to get away. Let's go back to our exercise example. As we close and as the worship team prepares to come, it is critical for our health that we balance our activity with rest. It's funny, our, my son Micah and my son Elijah are like big into anatomy and how the body works and all this stuff. So this will ring true for them. But there was an article written in an NBC publication by a, a gal by the name of Lauren Badosky. It says this, Badosky reminds us exercise puts physical stress on the body and in order to see the results from that stress, you need to give your muscles time to adapt and recover. Fitness improvements happen after the workout, not during the workout. The best way to help your body recuperate and stay on track to reach your goals is to incorporate active recovery days into your weekly schedule. The reason? After a hard workout, the body initiates an inflammatory response to help you recover. But if you do too much high-intensity exercise, that inflammatory response can work against you. On the flip side, take it easy doesn't mean do nothing. The point of an active rest day is to be active. So instead of grinding out heavy lifting reps or sprinting until you're out of breath, flow through yoga poses or take a light jog. Interestingly enough, when we rest in God, it doesn't mean we're not doing anything. It just means we're tuning our head and our heart to something else. You can rest in the midst of worship. You can rest in the midst of a bike ride. There's a lot of ways to rest, but it's tuning our head and our heart. When we learn to value rest in the midst of busyness, we will begin to intentionally invite God's presence into both rhythms, work and rest. There's a gentleman by the name of Grant McCaskill. And he explains in his book, Rhythms of Work, Rhythms of Work, Rest, and Worship, he says the Sabbath principle is that we must consecrate a portion of our time and keep it free from the demands of work, allowing it to take on a distinctive character of worship. This is not to say that the Sabbath is the only time of worship, nor that work cannot be a form of worship itself. But the Sabbath principle allows us to time to focus on God in a different way than the working week allows, and to enjoy his blessing in a distinctive way. Are you enjoying the blessings of God or are they just blown right past you? Are you taking time to see the world around you or is it flying by you at 100 miles an hour because you are so efficient? 
God is present in our work and our rest, and we need to value both. Now, as we bow our heads this morning, we prepare to close. I would ask you this question. When and where will you find rest this week? When will you find time to quiet your head and your heart and allow yourself to come into communion with God? Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What do you need to give up to God today? What have you been holding on to that is keeping you from finding rest? What burden have you been carrying that hasn't allowed you to stay in communion with God? You know, we've got to remember that God, rest is God's idea. It's not a matter of doing or not doing. It's where we place our focus. And true rest in the midst of life invites God's presence. And his presence is sweet. Father God, we ask today that you would open our heads, open our hearts, challenge us, God, to this place of rest. Help us to get out of this mode of just constantly going, 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 going till we find our, our lives are out of control, spinning around. And then all of a sudden, life just smacks us right in the face. God, you have so much more for us than that. And the work that you've given us to do is so vitally important. And yet the rest is equally important. And we should worship you when we come to that place of stillness. I pray, Lord, that you would get a hold of us today. You would continue to teach us the value of rest as you open our eyes to the world around us, the people who are struggling, the people who are hurting, the people who are without hope. And oh, that we would have a word in season to come alongside of them and provide hope, to give them a word of peace, to let them know it's going to be okay. And maybe, just maybe, Father, you would give us the opportunity to to share your love and share your gospel with them. But God, we ask that you would come help us to rest. Father, we thank you that you are the author of rest. And you've given us the perfect example. So we ask for your help today. And today, if you find yourself in that place where you have not stepped into relationship with Jesus, maybe you have known him at one time, but you have gone away from your faith, being distracted by the things of the world, by the work, by the things that are going on in your life, by tragedy, by whatever it is. But God is calling you back to himself today.
whether you're here on campus or you're tuning in online, if you're desiring to step into relationship with Jesus, the Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus died and rose from the dead, you will be saved. So today we're going to say a prayer. There's no magic in the prayer. But if you believe that God is who he says he is, and if you believe that Jesus desires to be your Savior, as we say this prayer, I would, I would invite you to, to say it with us. The Bible says you, nearly, you merely need to believe. So church, can we say this together so that nobody's embarrassed or singled out? Father God, please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe that your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live and died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart and to be the Lord of my life change the things in me I can't change as I commit my life to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I'd ask if you made that decision today for the first time. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. And we want to celebrate that decision with you. We want to come alongside of you and journey with you as you start this walk with Christ. We want to get you a Bible. We want to get you the tools that you need to have success in this new direction. We want to encourage you. So you can email us at info at You can type in the chat bar if you're watching online. Or you can fill, fill out a connection card and let us know that you've made a decision. We'd love to get in touch with you. Love to walk with you in this new decision. You know, as we close today, our prayer team is, is available at the back. And if you have a prayer need, we'd love to agree with you in prayer. Um, if you also want to just jot something down on a prayer card, you can do that, deposit that in the box in the lobby. We're excited and grateful for what God has in store for you today and this week as we step into this place of understanding the value of rhythm in our lives and that our lives should be an attitude of worship. I would encourage you to find rest. Press pause on some of these distractions, church. And this week, as we step into our work and into our rest, let's step into it with the attitude that we're doing it as unto Christ. I know that God has great things in store for you today and this week. I'm excited for what God is going to do in and through your life. And as we continue to navigate the rhythms, let's make sure that we're doing it in an attitude that allows us to be the neighborhood and everybody we come in contact with. So let's make that our, our goal this week. Let's be the neighborhood. Let's bless the people that God puts before us. 